This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Hi, I'm Hardik Vaidya. You're listening to Jamsters. This podcast is about stories from the world of entertainment, media, content and events. Every episode I'll be joined by some of the best in business, whether they're artists, content creators, filmmakers, writers, founders, CEOs, thought leaders, it could be anyone. If they have stories, I'll bring them to you. Join me in listening to my brand new podcast, Jamsters, on Epilog Media and all your favorite podcasting platforms. On this episode, I'm joined by a millennial who runs India's largest media platform for issues that matter, called Youth Ki Awaaz. You know, think of Youth Ki Awaaz as YouTube for writers. You know, as a 17-year-old, Anshul Tiwari, founder of Youth Ki Awaaz, started this as a one-person army. And actually, it was a blog, my friends. That's right. And uh, over this long journey, he's built an army of one lakh writers and four million monthly readers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have with me Anshul Tiwari. Hey, Anshul, welcome on my show. Hi, Harvik. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for your kind words. I'm sure super excited to have you on this uh, show because primarily we are living in very interesting times. And uh, the question I want to start off with, Anshul, is that why do you do what you do? You know, Hardik, that's actually uh, probably the most important question. I do what I do because I feel that as a culture, uh, as and, and this is not just in India, right? I think culturally, uh, young people are you know often told that their voices don't matter, that they should not be speaking against the structures, so to say. And it's, it's, it's a very pertinent culture of silence that we all grow up in, where, you know, even, even as little as deciding to not take up a, uh, an educational course of our choice or taking up a career of our choice is such a big issue, right? So I feel young people in general grow up in a culture where they're constantly told that their voice doesn't matter. And yet, you know, there's this very interesting irony that, when they do start growing up, they're often told that, oh, you should start behaving like an adult. You should start doing this. You should start doing that. Think of your career. So at one point, we want young people to grow up faster. But on, on the same point, we don't really want them to have opinions of their own, right? So I feel the, the reason why I do what I do is because I feel passionately about breaking this culture. I, I feel like this culture needs to be smashed left, right and center. It needs to be uh, completely done away with. And we need to be, you know, growing up in a culture of action, of engagement, of, of empathy, of really kind of being able to feel for each other, to be, to be a lot more vocal about each other's problems. And that's the reason why, uh, you know, I do what I do. Very interesting. When the journey started when you were 17 years old and uh, now that you are shaping lives of so many individuals across the country and probably across the world, was this vision this clear when you were starting out? That's actually very, very, very kind of you to say that. But no, honestly, it wasn't as clear. I was, I mean, just, just imagine a cool kid who has just discovered that there's this amazing world of blogging where, you know, if you say something, people who you don't know, uh, people from all across the world could actually be reading it. So I was literally that, that kid. And I had discovered blogging at a fairly early age. I was, I think, 14 or 15 when I, I had discovered it. And I had run some super embarrassing blogs, right? My uh, first blog, I think, was my daily journal, uh, which was about my school life. I had run a, a blog where I was writing poetry, which was 
absolutely terrible but i was i was already kind of accustomed with the fact that there is this space on the internet um and when i when this realization dawned upon me that something has to be done uh, i started youth ki awaaz initially honestly just as a space to kind of voice myself it turned into a platform for others fairly quickly but when i started out i had not imagined that it will become uh, what it's become today you know when you start out any new initiative the two big uh, people who support you is one yourself because you're crazy enough to follow it and second is your mom was it the same <laughs> with you when you started off writing your first reader was your mother that's true uh, my first reader indeed was my mother and in fact you know my 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 mother played a very big role in the uh, starting of of youth ki awaaz as well because i i was at a space where i knew i had to do something i knew i wanted to start a blog but i didn't know what to call it and i was like toying with ideas all of which were not as great and then like in a discussion with my mom um i came up with the name youth ki awaaz and that's literally how the the name came about that's how the uh concept really kind of started developing uh but yes indeed my mother was my first reader often like i would just make her sit in front of the laptop and read it uh i would force her to read it and she would obviously encourage me as much as she could i'm sure like all mothers do big big force of support from there anshul to now having uh, 1 lakh writers and 4 million monthly uh, readers how has this journey been according to you it's been i mean it's it's been firstly if you talk about it in internet years it's been a fairly long journey uh yk turned uh, 12 in march this year uh we are in our 13th year right now um so so of course like i've had a a great time building it that's why i'm still doing it even after a decade um you know but 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 there are many things that, that kind of make the journey interesting like for example uh you do go through uh, a, a really uh you know deep and dark phase in your life when you're trying to build something when you realize that okay this is really getting cut throat even before you thought it would um there are many instances when uh, you know you're you're trying to work with people uh, but it just doesn't work out there's not enough trust that people have because you're too new or you're too small um and and you know you're too inconsequential so i feel uh, all of those things really make for i think one of the most interesting journeys and and i think i've i've had my fair share of that and it's very interesting that you know people sometimes uh, come up to me and say that oh you know youth ki awaaz has become a success overnight and you know suddenly become this thing and i often <laughs> I, i really want to say to them that you know behind any overnight success is like a decade of work that goes into it right so it's never really overnight success and and if you ask me according to my parameters uh, we have a really long way to go i i feel that we haven't really even uh recognize 20% of our potential uh just yet so it's been a very interesting uh journey hardik full of like uh, all dramatics that you can imagine anshul while you definitely get to experience the highest of highs uh, impacting lives in more ways than one let's talk about a couple of lows right so i think as an entrepreneur as a creative professional are there times that you felt lonely or uh, secluded or maybe you did not realize that you were on the right path but you just persevered let's talk a little bit more about that in brief sure no absolutely i think uh, you know there's this very very popular saying it's 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 always lonely on the top um and i think it's it's true for entrepreneurs uh, it uh, really doesn't matter if if like you're a solo entrepreneur if you have or if you have co-founders uh, i think at some point it does get really lonely because you're so passionately pursuing Uh, an idea you kind of it just becomes your everything right it becomes a part of your soul it becomes a part of your existence 
um, and that's when you start realizing how deep into it you are, how much is at stake, um, you know, with regards to the success of your idea or the failure of it. Um, and, and, you know, it, it does get extremely challenging to kind of deal with all of that, uh, and still continue persevering. I remember, uh, you know, there have been times when, uh, I've been told that, you know, youth was done for, and it's not growing, it's plateaued. Um, and, and, you know, not enough people are, 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 are wanting to participate. Why do you need youth kiyavas when you have social media platforms? Like there's, there's been too much that's thrown on my face very often. Um, another challenge that I kind of, you know, always consistently faced was of, at least in the first three to four years was of being fairly young, uh, especially in an industry, which is run by really old people, like the age gap between me and the head of an organization in, in the media industry or the development sector would be like 30 years, right? Like that's, that's so many generations in between. Um, and I think it's, it's the, it's the condescension and the patronizing attitude that kind of starts getting to you at some point and you start thinking whether any of this is actually worth it and whether these struggles will actually lead to something. But I think, uh, you know, having said that, I feel that there always are people who kind of make you realize why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, and in my case, like it's been the people who write on, on, on YK as a platform. Every single day, I remember, uh, you know, I remember 2010-11 was a particularly difficult year because I was getting done with college and I was trying to figure out how to make YK sustainable because I knew that if I can't make it sustainable, I may have to take up a job because I don't come from uh, a family that can afford uh, to have me keep doing this for a very long time. And, uh, you know, what that meant was that I try extremely hard uh, in about 12 months to make YK as sustainable as possible to have a, have an income. And I remember that one year meeting probably a hundred plus people for potential sponsorship and literally all of them telling me that they don't find value in it. So it can get really discouraging, uh, you know, sometimes, and you can reach a point where you feel like, okay, should I even be doing this? But I think I would get back home at night, open up the blog, start editing the articles that have come in. And then it would suddenly dawn upon me that there are people who find it useful. There are people for whom it actually matters. So I think those are the small things that kind of keep you going. So while there are obviously naysayers that you are trying to build something constructive, I'm sure there are these same audience, at least amongst them, that who act as trolls, uh, yeah. you know, who maybe call you out for things that you are trying to do for the betterment of the society while you are trying to build the movement of civic journalism in, in our country. Uh, right. How do you handle or how did you handle trolls? So, you know, I think for a very long time, we did not get trolled because YK started at a time when internet was not at the point that it is at today. We were thriving on Orkut at that time, right? And uh, Facebook and Twitter was so new. I mean, Twitter was not even there, right? So, so I think, I think there was a bit of an advantage that I had of not having to deal with trolls when I was just starting out. Uh, but when the first time it hit us, uh, uh, you know, uh, any kind of trolling, when it hit me personally was when I got a, a fairly serious threat on Twitter. And um, it was this one account that was just tweeting at the same time every single day to me. And it just grew the, the anxiety inside just grew. Because I would wait for that time in the day, the next day, because I knew a tweet was coming and I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, but you know, over the course of time, what I realized is that a, a troll is basically somebody who does not have the ability to really come out and confront you. Uh, and that's the reason why they're sitting behind uh, an anonymous name, an anonymous handle. Uh, they don't even put their face on it. It's just basically an egg that's tweeting to you, right? 
So I I developed a really thick skin over time, and I started ignoring it as much as I could, and reporting and blocking as much as as many people as I could. And I think uh, as the YK community built up, as people started realizing that um, countering trolls is a very effective mechanism of disarming them, the community just took over. So now on Facebook, if we see sometimes there are comments of people saying weird stuff to us, but there are also YK community members who are who are countering it, uh, you know, them on their own. So. So that's the kind of culture that we managed to build, and I think that's really helped us, uh, you know, deal with with trolls in a time where platforms are just flooded with them. You know, Anshul, there is nothing like success. There is nothing like seeing the impact of the work that you do real time. When uh, or what are those instances that you felt that uh, success mil rahi hai, this platform is working, or there were stories that actually came out uh, from this platform that made you really realize the power of the work that you're doing? Could you shed some light on that? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can share uh, two of the biggest stories that I've had. Uh, I mean, honestly, every single impact story has had a tremendous amount of impact on me. Uh, but I can share two of the most popular ones, in fact. And the first one is, of course, the first ever impact story that YK had because I feel uh, that was the time when literally everybody was saying that oh, something on the internet cannot really do something on ground. It can't have the same impact. And this was 2011 when the uh, you know Arab Spring was going on. Even like across the uh, Arab countries. People were actively using social media to organize and mobilize, but yet people were saying that it doesn't have the same impact. So I think the first story kind of comes from there when one of our YK users, Pranay Manocha, his father was stuck in Libya uh, in the middle of this this Arab Spring, um, and he had told Pranay that you know I don't know if I'll survive, I don't know if I'll be able to make it because there was a bomb blast right outside my house. My car was actually bombed, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it beyond the next couple of days. um and at that point i think something something really i mean of course when you hear it from your father it's just unimaginable right and 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 completely shook pranay uh he did not have enough media contacts to kind of highlight this issue so he wrote to me uh and i was just out of college at that time so i didn't have media contacts either and i just encouraged him to write on yk about it uh, and at that time our readership was not that great we were probably doing 10000 page views a month um and overnight literally his story just broke the internet it was all over the internet it was all over twitter uh, journalists were tweeting about it everybody was talking about it pranay and his mother were on uh, prime time news the next day um and you know arrangements were made to rescue his father and in that process 18000 other indians were also rescued uh, from libya so i think when when that happened it just it was a huge move moment honestly i did not get to absorb it until a few years later when i went to uh, kazakhstan on a trip and i happened to meet pranay's father there and that was the moment when you know like it was it was like a one hour meeting full of goosebumps uh, because i had checked in on facebook saying i am in kazakhstan and pranay just commented on it saying my father is there as well you should meet him and i met him and oh my god the stories he told me of the situation that he was in how the the story on yk really helped him mobilize people get them all together it was just phenomenal right um the second extremely important uh, you know popular story actually is very recent it's 2015 just about 5 years ago uh, when a journalist soma basu her uh, you know she had done this extensive investigative report on how young women from nepal are trafficked to bombay um and uh, and and their skin tissue from their back is extracted to to create plastic skin for plastic surgery um and literally nobody knew about it at that time and it was such a new story it was uh shocking uh, and and you know i, I like I, when i read it i did not have words to to 
explain what the story really was like. And I wasn't sure even if it's true or not, because, you know, there's just so much of this on the internet. So I spoke with Soma, um, we verified the story at our end. Soma is an award-winning journalist. So we knew that she won't uh, be publishing something that's not credible. And, uh, you know, we put it up on, on, on the website and it again broke the internet. More than a million views in less than a week. Uh, you know, Wall Street Journal, NPR, Washington Post, everybody talking about it. The United Nations uh, uh, Refugee Council getting in touch with us. Um, a lot happened. And there's a, you know, suddenly like on my phone, I get a notification of a Reuters story that says that um, basis the youth ki story, now the Nepal government is, is organizing a probe uh, in the matter. Uh, and that was again a very very big moment because you you know you, you realize that a story on your platform can actually get a get an entire government to move uh, and 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 do something about about an issue that that probably you know is is it has always been there people have known about it uh, but something led to them not acting on it. Incredible, absolutely incredible. You know, Anshul, uh, I'm reminded of one instance that I must share with you. I had written a couple of articles on youth ki awaz, uh, in the year 2013, I believe. In uh, the November of 2012, I was uh, selected to represent India uh, for a South Asian Youth Conference to Islamabad, Pakistan. And right. uh, as part of the as part of the delegation, I got a chance to see the actual gamut of problems across the Southeast Asian region, uh, across all the South countries. And once I came back, I had a better understanding of the situation of the problems in education space. I came back. I wrote an article on Yudhki Awaz. Uh, a, a fellow from Teach for Pakistan actually. Uh, shared that article within their own circle. And they had like an extensive discussion around uh, the topic of how standardized testing is actually killing the dreams of right. children and how they are actually creating robots out of that. So that is when I truly realized that Youth Ki Awaz actually is working across borders and it's not only impacting India. No, thank you so much for that, uh, Hardik. And, and I, I must tell you that, you know, there was this time in, uh, in our journey, I think around the same time, around 2011 to 13, when we had just so many people writing from Pakistan and Bangladesh and they would really like use Youth Ki Awaz as a platform to say things that they can't say in countries. Uh, we had interns from China who were writing on YK. It was really like a, a, a very interesting time. And then kind of, you know, you realize that as politics become more difficult, as tensions arise between countries, those relationships also start getting affected. And I think somewhere that also happened. And that's honestly a huge loss to humanity you know, on, on, on how we haven't been able to connect with each other. But thank you so much for sharing that, uh, you know, anecdote. It's, it's, it's really extremely meaningful uh, for us. Yeah. What are the demographics of the consumers of YKA? So uh, a large part of our readership is between 18 to 35. So, I mean, of course, millennials, but we also have a very actively growing base of Gen Z, uh, people who are currently, you know, around 18, 20, 22, 23, and they're actively writing, they're extremely bold. So we have a growing base of Gen Z users. Uh, YK is read across the country. So we, we have uh, readership in every single state in the country. Uh, we are read in some of the smallest districts in India. And we know this because when people fill out our surveys, we know where they're coming from. And, and it's just completely, extremely surprising in terms of where, where people are reading us from. We have close to, like you said, 100,000 people writing on the platform, and they also come from every single part of the country. So it's a very widespread uh, platform, uh, and we've managed to really get that audience uh, over a course of time because people found value uh, in, in, in the simple yet courageous act of speaking up. You know, actually, in my head, there is this uh, 
divide in terms of the audience, uh, the youth, the millennial generation, the yeah. Gen Z generation uh, of our uh, country. One part is sensitive towards the social issues of our country. Uh, and there is also the same segment of people who are not so active about or who could not be bothered about the issues that are affecting them. Uh, what yeah. are your thoughts on this? Are you trying to convert that audience into people who actually care or uh, what are you trying to do with that audience as well? Yeah. No, I think uh, you're right. And I think that's the case with, honestly, if you ask me, every generation goes through that phase, right? Where, uh, you know, there are some people who care, there are some people who don't. So similarly, I think millennials, Gen Z, we're in that phase as well. There are people who care, there are people who don't care, people who vehemently agree or vehemently disagree with issues. Um, I feel, you know, our, the, the, the role that I see UK was playing in this, in this uh, space really is that, See, people who agree and people who already think that, that there are certain issues that are important, they speak about them. They are, they are already kind of developing a voice around it. For us, the audience that is super critical is the people who are neutral, right? Who, who feel like, Mujhe kya farak padta? like, how does this matter to me? Or people who feel like, yes, it's an important issue, but I don't know if I want to say something about it. Or I'm too scared or my opinion is too uninformed. That audience in the middle, you know, is the largest people who know it, but don't say it because they don't feel enough for it. So I think somewhere the responsibility that we feel is to talk to that audience a lot more, because if we're able to get that neutral, that, you know, audience that's on the fringe of an issue on the side of the issue, then the, the overall people who are kind of backing a problem, trying to get it to a solution uh, state just ends up growing drastically. So I feel that's really the role that YK plays in this uh, scenario. Anshul, while well, that is the YK side, how do you as an individual view yourself? Uh, very difficult question. I have honestly never given it a deep thought. I think, you know, I've, I've just been uh, busy building YK the first, you know, eight, 10 years of it, making it reach a point where uh, we have a team that kind of sustains it and, and all of that. Um, I'm actually at a place now where I have a phenomenal team that runs like 80% of the stuff that YK does. So I'm not as hands-on as I used to be in the initial years. And that's a great thing I feel. And you know, there was a time when I used to think that, oh, how can I not be hands-on? How can I not do things? Uh, and I think you go through this journey, right? You go through realizations where you realize that, you know what, if you just need to take a chill pill, like it's okay. Things will sort themselves out. People will be fine. You need to trust people. You need to build that kind of trust in people. Uh, and I think I also went through that journey of, uh, of realizing that. And um, I've, I've managed to kind of uh, be hands off while focus on the big picture stuff, which I think is super important when you're trying to build an organization like YK, which is so mission oriented. You need to keep in mind the, the big picture that you have. Uh, but you know, it's, it's for me, it's changed me drastically. I was like a very different person in school and college. I'm an extremely different person now. I think when you build a company over 10 years, you grow like 50 years and, 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 you know, you, you go through like, a, you, you go through different life cycles, right? You go through challenges in such a short period of time. So I think it's fundamentally changed the person that I am. It's, it's really kind of made me, um, more vocal, of course, but it's also made me more empathetic towards other people's challenges and situations, which I think is so, so important these days, especially in the times that we are living in. So since the time you started YKA, and uh, I think one of the things that you told me in our conversation was that uh, the idea behind starting YKA was you wanted to change the power structure from what the mainline media was to a yeah. uh, bit more people centric. 
do you think that has changed that has evolved uh, has that has that molded in ways that you had anticipated to be right so i mean there are a couple of ways to look at it first is that i feel uh, i mean i know it, it's it sounds a little quote unquote narcissistic but i feel that uh, yk started doing what it what it's doing much before a lot of the platforms realized that citizen voices matter uh, right and and if you look at the platforms on which citizens are writing some of the biggest platform from quads to scroll to like hindustan times times of india a good bulk of those writers actually started their writing journey from yk um, and even like some of the most progressive editors in media organizations started their journey with yk so i feel yk has definitely had a huge role to play in making media organizations realize that at least on the internet citizen voices need to matter on their platforms and we are seeing that happen right now um and I, and i think we've had our own fair share uh, of a role to play in that kind of a thinking because as people saw yk growing they thought oh we should also try this out because it's really like uh, an interesting model and 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 we know this because so much of their language so much of their uh, you know programs that they run is so similar to what we've already done and moved on from so i think um it's very interesting to see all of that because you then uh, it, you know you you realize that there is a system that you've been able to impact uh, in 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 a positive way but uh, having said that i think traditional media is a giant that's yet to be conquered because uh, purely because of the way the the ownership and the audience structures in traditional media work you don't know if the trp ratings are actually correct you don't know who owns the media organization which political party are they funding which business interest are they supporting it's just too convoluted and i feel in a scenario like that where a power structure where enhancing and strengthening a power structure is the primary reason a media organization is created citizen voices cannot take center stage and i think that's a pretty massive challenge so so the question for me right now is do you fight with dinosaurs who are anyway going to go extinct or do you focus on develop uh, developing a new age world uh, that people will inherit so i feel my focus and and yk's focus is better spent online which is the the media and information uh, world that we are all inheriting and future generations will inherit so the same struggle of course we are going to continue fighting it online as much as we can I'm sure we are uh, the millennial generation who are driven by problem solving and issues that really stir us. Uh, I'm sure that was also one of the reasons that you started uh, the platform too. But it's according to me very important to dissociate uh, the emotion from objectively seeing a problem. Uh, how have you been able to keep that objectivity in place and in check? That's a great question, Hardik. Because you know, honestly, uh, I wasn't always able to. I think when I started. i was very uh, driven by what i felt and what i thought um and i and i feel that's uh, there's there's absolutely no shame in accepting that that you know you have uh, uh you know been at a space where you are so obsessed with your idea that you want to do things everything your way um i feel i feel every entrepreneur goes through this i feel every person starting up goes through a point where they feel that their ideas are probably the best yeah, and in the best interest of the organization right um and i think it takes a little bit of a jolting to kind of realize that you need to sometimes take a step back because if your ideas are are, are great and you have hired the people you have hired it means that by default their ideas are going to be no less uh 
um so i think through a series of 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 uh, processes through um different uh, journeys that i have taken uh, and especially through the failures that i have had uh, i think I, i kind of realized that a single uh, a brain can only think so much you need to have uh, many people thinking together so you also have some people playing devil's advocate you also have some people enhancing your idea Uh, and you also have some people who may think of the other perspective that you may not be thinking of, and then you arrive at something that's a lot more concrete. So I feel over, especially like I, I personally feel, especially the things that have failed uh, at Youth Kiwas that did not work uh, are the ones that made me realize that the most. You know, uh, very interesting you brought this up because this is sort of connected to the next question that I have for you. Is that the business that you are in is right. about people? It's about emotions of people. Um, what have you learned about people and the behavior during this journey oh my god <laughs> i think i've learned a lot right uh, i think uh, i don't even know where to start um would see what i've learned is 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 fundamentally there is good in people like i think that's a very important part and i'll tell you why why that's important because i feel if you're trying to do anything to even remotely change the world you cannot do it unless you believe that people can be good can be fundamentally good right uh, that that situations make people who they are it can be an extremely pressurizing situation that can bring out the worst in me uh, it can be an extremely leisurely situation that can bring out the best in me some people do tremendously well when they're under pressure some people don't and i think uh, my biggest realization kind of has been that that you know you have to trust that at the end of the day people want good for this world um that's one the other thing that i've kind of realized about people is that if you really want to connect with people like like at at a very deep level then you have to imagine what life would be like if you were in their shoes because if you don't do that if you don't put yourself in somebody else's situation then you're never going to be able to empathize with where they are at why they react in a certain manner uh, why they behave in a certain way and that's what i always also tell my team about people who say disagree with some of the articles that go on by ke politically you may have somebody who's trolling you but you have to understand the cultural context that they may have grown up in and and you know why just dismissing them off the bat is not the right way to go about things and i um I've been so happy at times when my editors have come to me and said that you know somebody who disagreed with us sent us a chain of emails and was able to completely change their thinking because we engaged with them for three months. We kept that conversation alive for a couple of months. We shared more resources with them, and now look at the screenshot. They are saying that they think differently and they're glad. And I know like we are not able to kind of do this with every single person who comes on the platform, but I feel. uh every single person who's thinking we're able to kind of evolve and make them feel that okay i need to be open to other people's opinions uh, and their thinking is like one step ahead for us so i think that's what i've learned the most about people that you have to be willing to put yourself into their shoes you have to be empathetic and you have to believe that essentially everybody does want the good interesting so with so many people coming on the platform writing there uh, might be uh, a possibility where they don't adhere to what they really want to say in terms of the guidelines on your platform uh, so how do you really ensure that uh, you get fact checked you know credible information from so many people who just have opinions they may not be rooted in reality they may be sort of you know expressions of either hatred or anger uh, how do you channelize that on a platform like yours 
That's a great question, Hardik. So I think initially, you know, when when we had started out, the platform fu- functioned very differently. We were not an open platform, which means that you had to really submit an article and and have it get approved. But at some point, we kind of realized that you know, if if we are to function like this, uh, and if we are to want to kind of achieve our mission of enabling young people to speak up. we are always going to be limited we are always going to be driven by our thinking and our biases and our approach to content right so we took a very big bold decision of just opening up the platform and what that meant was you as a user log in you publish it's live right there and then you start sharing right so it was a huge decision because obviously there were many questions the team had i remember the team was split in half half the people were like no it's a horrible decision half the people were like it's a great decision that's the only way we grow uh, and it took me almost i think 3 months of convincing to get everybody on the same page and then do it uh, what it's done the great thing that it's done is hardik from a point that we were probably getting 10 20 pieces a day to a point today where there are days where we get thousands in just one day uh, it's it's made us reach there right so it's it's definitely made us realize a part of our dream that okay now bike is more accessible more people are speaking up but like you said of course it brings with it a lot of challenges how do you verify everything how does a human being possibly go through so much content every single day um how many editors do you keep adding how much money do you keep spending especially when you're a small organization right and i think what we've done is we've done uh, you know we we've actually learned from the best that's what we've done so we realize that look we are not the first people to be doing this we are not like it's not an innovation to open up a platform um there are people who've done this wikipedia has done this quora is doing it reddit is an open platform so how do they manage it let's look at that and i think that's what we started doing wikipedia emerged as a really really solid model um because we saw that 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 essentially what was happening was there was a team of extremely passionate volunteers who were giving time to make sure that if an edit comes in on on a wikipedia article within a couple of uh, hours they are able to get to it the only difference in our case was that we are not an encyclopedia we are a news platform uh, a news driven platform and things can go viral a lot faster than they would go viral say from a wikipedia page um, so our reaction time had to reduce to a few minutes instead of a, a few hours so we went about setting up a network of some of our most credible users um, who would eventually go on to become the largest force of community editors that we have on yp right now who verify everything who fact check everything who report content that shouldn't be on the platform and the reaction time is literally a few minutes um we are able to and and it's it's a completely community run initiative and and that actually so the success of that initiative actually opened our eyes to the fact that like we we one day we just like i remember going to the office and i just like prompted my team that you know guys this is so interesting what if everything at yk was community run you know why do we even have to be running all the processes ourselves and i think we are kind of on that journey right now where we are figuring out what does yk mean if it's all completely community and and that's how we basically manage uh, you know fact checking verification and so on so while uh, wikipedia i understand is a non profit initiative uh, yeah youth ki awaaz is a for profit run social enterprise yes right so uh, uh, how do you generate revenue on a platform like this you don't run uh, advertising i understand on the website yes yeah so we don't do any any ads we've been like uh, against the concept of advertising uh, as a as a company we don't feel that it's it's it gives you enough money it's just like extremely tiring 
it's like I, I don't need to say it like there's going to be a ton of blogs on medium about it but uh, uh you know what i've kind of realized is that uh you if you want to really push the boundary you have to think of models that that can be slightly innovative to make money so we've been struggling with that we've been doing that the primary way in which yk generates revenues is that we work with extremely large non-profit organizations like the united nations uh, like who um and and so on several of them save the children oxfam the biggest uh, that you can imagine in the world uh, and we work with them on running strategic campaigns on the yk platform to make sure that people are able to engage with issues in lot better manner uh, so i'll give you an example one of the longest running campaigns on yk uh, has been with a non-profit called save the children which is a global non-profit uh, and we've been campaigning on the lives of street children how children living in street situations uh, deal with even like right now we can possibly not imagine what it would be like for uh, people living in street situations right a pandemic hitting a child who's always lived on the street has no access to food shelter uh, you know clothing what what is it really like so our work with an organization like save the children has really been building these campaigns now what happens in this process is that because we are essentially creating value for an organization like save the children they are able to sponsor a lot of the work that goes into a campaign like this uh, and that helps us cross subsidize a lot of the work that we do on the platform so at any given point we have five to six campaigns running uh, we work with some of the biggest organizations like i said and um, it helps us really do the work that we do be honest to our community uh, of course like our revenues are not going to be uh, you know phenomenally high but like it's not going to become a 100 crore company tomorrow but i feel it's like we are better off being closer to our mission and growing steadily uh instead of like just kind of running on a treadmill and not being able to get anywhere you also have events right uh, so are these events uh, ticketed or they are uh, sponsored by your you know uh, advertisers or yourself how, how do you go about doing it right so yeah we do have events we do uh, two fairly large event properties one is called the ukiva summit the other is called converge um converge happens in multiple cities summit happens in delhi and uh, they do have sponsors uh, but typically what happens is that we don't do ticketing all our events are free of cost we don't want people to have to pay uh, to attend and that's the reason why we've been you know able to get like audiences from across the country different economic backgrounds all of that um we do pretty much for every single event get sponsors that can help us run that event but it's not like the most active or buzzing revenue model that we have uh you know events is, is terribly difficult as well there's such high logistical costs your margins are just really shit to be honest sorry for the uh, use of the word but it's actually terrible right it's just so low so so we don't do it for the revenue we do it for the community um and if if we're able to make some money in the process it goes back into the platform we're able to kind of uh, do more events grow our user base all of that wow so this is a lot of work man on your plate uh, is there anything that you do other than work <laughs> actually yeah i i i i do like i like i was telling you i think i've reached a point where i'm not as uh, actively needed in the day to day operations of yk and that's actually a great thing uh, and because of that i've actually discovered this uh, uh, almost crazy obsessive uh, hobby that i have of collecting extremely rare uh, plants which 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 are endemic to south africa it's called a hevorthia and i have been collecting the like just like lakhs of hybrids that it has i've been collecting it for the last 3 3 and a half years 
uh, I have a collection of close to 2000 uh, of them. I have, uh, I, I got a new house, man, because I did not have space to keep them. So, so yeah, so I spend a considerable amount of my time gardening and I think it's a, it's a, it's been phenomenal. So is this what like an alternative career path that you're planning to pursue? <laughs> <this right here? laughs> uh, I don't know, to be honest, I, I haven't really thought of what, what will happen post YK or what, what life post YK looks like just because I feel like there's just so much to be done. But I know like as the founder, you always feel that there's always so much to be done. Like you're never satisfied uh, with how much is already happening. Um, but I do feel that, that like, I'll tell you what, gardening has, has helped me in a way that uh, it came in my life at a time when I was dealing with a lot of stress and, and stress that was like just unimaginable amounts of stress. Like I was crashing every other day. Uh, I was having a burnout every third day. Um, and it just completely changed me. Like it, it like it's just funny how it completely transitioned me from pers- a, a person who used to stress a lot to a person who's now giving gyan that, you know, we should not stress and we should not do this, all of that. I think it, it, it played a huge role in my transition. And that made me realize that, um, that I need to spread the love. And that's when I set up my Instagram, uh, which just focuses on plants and trying to reach out to more entrepreneurs, more busy people, help them figure out how they can develop better hobbies. Because I think it's important. It actually enables you to be creative again. At some point after stressing so much and working so much, you lose the creativity, right? Um, so something that can bring it back is, is super critical. So have you become like an environmental activist in the process? Uh, no, I, I mean, yes and no. YK runs a massive environmental activism platform and, and campaign uh, that we've been doing for the last two years. Uh, I've, I'm personally involved. So from that point of view, absolutely. Like we've, we've trained close to 100 young climate activists on how to run digital campaigns. So from that point of view, yes. Uh, but this hobby, so to say, is not connected to climate activism per se. Um, this is one place where I'm just literally doing it because I love the plant. Like I, I literally am just in such deep obsession with it that I'm just like doing it for, for the love of that, for the love of my passion uh, and literally nothing else. And, and it's just, it's good. It's, it's good to have something that you can use to detach yourself uh, from, from, you know, the, the, the pressures and the realities of the real world. So that's like a maniacal focus on just one kind of a plant. Yeah, it is. It is. And you know, I've had so many people tell me that boss, you are like, your level of obsession is crazy because I remember when I started YK, I was so obsessed with it that friends stopped calling me to parties because all I would talk about was YK. And that's not, that's not party conversations, right? Um, and now I'm, I've become so obsessed about plants that all I talk about is the plant. So I think I have this tendency of really going super deep into things and, um, you know, becoming extremely passionate about it. And I think that's the phase that I'm going through when it, when it comes to my, my hobby as well. Very cool. So, uh, you know, currently you're in uh, two languages, I understand, uh, English yeah. and Hindi. So, uh, are you, are you planning to venture into other languages as well? Uh, regional content? Yes, absolutely. So our growth plan actually is, is what you exactly said. We're in the phase of uh, hiring people, developing a sharper focus when it comes to vernacular languages. Um, so in the next year or so, you will probably see three or four more languages on YK. And then 10 years, uh, sorry, 10. I, I don't know why I said 10. Uh, but two years down the line, uh, you know, about 10 more languages uh, getting added, you know, to the platform. So I, I think like uh, that's really what's going to happen um, with regards to our growth trajectory. Um, 
we already see many people publishing in those languages like suddenly we would open up a backend and we have this article in gujarati uh, or in marathi or like somebody has written in tamil um, and we know people who can help us with with that content so we take their help right now but it's already kind of indicated to us that there is a big need and we should be doing that content already so we are in the process of hiring editors uh, who can help us manage that uh, inflow when it starts uh, coming exciting exciting stuff happening uh, at youth kiawa so what's the north star what are you trying to achieve and uh, if there's one parting advice you want to give to the millennial generation who are on to something big what would you say to them right so you know the north star is really honestly imagining a world where nobody has to struggle to speak up where every single voice is kind of valued and uh, everybody has an equal and fair shot at speaking up because i think that's when social change actually begins when we start talking about issues um so that's really like it's as as broad and as wide as a mission but i think it's important to always have that in our in our mind and in our mindset to be able to kind of work towards that common goal um one advice that i would have for millennials and and, and gen z in general is that uh, especially people who are wanting to change the world or who are wanting to build something uh there are two very important things that i would say one is that absolutely nothing beats perseverance like absolutely nothing if you are at it it doesn't matter if you fail 10 times or 30 times or 100 times like you will reach a point where you start succeeding uh, because i feel that failures teach you drastically more than successes do successes make you happy they give you an ego boost uh, but failures actually tell you what not to do and that's what i think is critical so i think uh perseverance and being ready to kind of accept failure for what it is 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 super critical uh the other thing that i would say is that you know increasingly we are becoming a world where we judge people too quickly we dismiss people too quickly we cancel people too quickly i feel that if we are to become a generation that fundamentally changes the way the world is we have to understand where people are coming from we have to know their particular contexts we may have had access to information we may have had in fact what i like to say is not even access we may have had the privilege of information but not everybody does and you can't judge a person just because they are less informative than you and just because they haven't had the same exposure as you have so i feel empathy has to be at the very core of how we reimagine the world uh, because if you're not empathetic none of the issues that we are facing right now will ever get resolved so that's that's just the a little bit of uh, you know parting advice that i will have for every young person who's listening to this i think you are at a phase where you know you've become a veteran in this field the daddy is the granddaddy of this paper clearly your work will hold a lot of value i'm sure of that <laughs> i'm sure where can people find you so i am extremely active on instagram um, i'm actually active on all social media but i post the most on instagram but Sometimes if you're sending me work requests on Instagram I may not respond because Instagram is where I go to chill uh but if 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 anybody wants to reach me I think the best way is to just send me an email or drop me a message on Facebook I take a lot of work requests on Facebook uh so I wasn't okay with that at one point but now I've kind of realized that that's what people prefer um I am also active on LinkedIn but I take I check LinkedIn twice a week so if I'm not responding to your request don't think that I'm trying to keep you away um i will get back to you in in about a week so i feel uh, those are the places where people can can reach me hey anshul it was awesome talking to you and it was brilliant and thank you for sharing all the incredible insights with me thank you so much hardik i love having this conversation and i really hope that people who listen to this find it extremely useful as well if you enjoyed this episode of jamsters make sure you subscribe on eplog media website 
or your favorite podcast streaming apps such as Apple Podcasts, Jio Seven, Ghana, Spotify, and more. Also, if you use Apple Podcasts, do rate and review Jamsters as it helps other people to discover this podcast. And for suggestions, feedback, or ideas for me, follow me on Instagram at the rate Hardik D Vaidya or on Facebook at Hardik Vaidya. 